Philippians chapter 2, we read this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Today we have the incredible privilege to gather together and declare that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Do you really believe that? Is he Lord of your life? Today, if you do not know him as Lord and Savior, today could be a day that makes eternal difference in your life. And we are so thankful that you are joining us today. If you are visiting with us today, please uh, take time before you leave to stop by our guest table out there and pick up a guest bag. We also would encourage you as a guest to fill out a care card in your bulletin. On there, maybe you'd like some more information about what it means to be a member here, how to join the church. Or maybe you've made a decision recently and you haven't been baptized. You can indicate all, all that on your care card and please drop that in the basket before you leave or give it to one of our staff guys. And I just want to say real quick as well, this past week we had a chance to declare the great power of our God and Savior through Bible school. And Justin's going to share some more at the end of the service, just a lot of the good things that happened this week. But I just want to say thank you. I don't think we can say thank you enough to all those who served. Uh, it's just been a great week and we give all the glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's remain standing. And let's sing of the Lord's faithfulness.
Donna Elder's family. Donna's here this morning. I want to pray for her. She lost her dad this past week. Uh, Sam White, such a good man. And uh, we want to pray for Dr. Peel's family this week as the services will be in our county. Just remember he and his family. And uh, this morning, I want you to pray. We have four men that are going to Romania August the 16th. And I want you to pray for us as we prepare for that trip to help finding hope. Let's pray this morning. Father, this morning, we thank you that you're a God who loves us. And Lord, you're worthy of all praise and honor and glory. And Father, we pray for comfort for families who've lost loved ones this past week. Father, pray for Don and her family. Pray you'd bring great comfort and strength and peace for the Peel family. Lord, I pray you'd help those this week. Thank you, Lord, that you're a very present help in a time of need and trouble. That means you're here. Father, we pray that you'd just, Lord, lead us as we plan to go to Romania. Lord, be with the men that are preparing to go. Lord, I pray you'd bless the work there. May it be done. The kids might have a home, a place called home. And Father, I pray you'd bless that time. And Father, this morning I pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you'd have the preeminence in this place. That Lord, that you might be exalted. You might draw us all closer to you. Father, be with the preaching. Be with the singing. And Father, we're so glad this morning that you're present, that you're here. And Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Speak to us this morning. And Father, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
What a God. What power. Why did he lavish such a universe upon a creature like us? Why isn't that overdoing it? What a universe. And what a God. God rejoices in the works of creation because they point us beyond themselves to God. 
God does mean for us to be stunned and awed by His creation, but not for its own sake. He means for us to say, if the work of God's hands is so abundant with power and wisdom and majesty and grandeur and beauty, what must God be like? What must the Creator be like if the flinging out of His fingers is so majestic and grand and great and glorious? In the end, it's not going to be the seas. It's not going to be the ocean. It's not going to be the deserts or the flowers or the mountains. It's not going to be the grand galaxies. It's going to be God himself that satisfies the soul. Nothing short of God will do. The infinite expanses of the galaxies will not satisfy my longing for grandeur. Only the Maker Himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me and turn to Psalm 19. And as you're finding Psalm 19, I just want to make a quick announcement. Uh, I... In, through our deacons meeting uh, this past past, past weeks, um, we have come to a conclusion that we need your help with something. And next week we're going to have a survey available for everyone that will be in attendance that Sunday. They'll be on the edge of each row. Uh, and what we're going to ask you is, had you rather, as a church, continue worshiping in this building? Or had you rather, when, when time permits and whenever uh, COVID hopefully goes away... Would you rather worship in the sanctuary or in the sanctuary? And what you're going to do is, is you're going to help us make that decision. It's going to be your decision. Isn't that great? We didn't want 13 people making that decision. It's not fair for me just to make that decision. Uh, this is your church, and we want you all to make that decision. And you're going to help us, regardless of where we permanently choose to worship. We're going to use both buildings. We have good problems here. Okay, we have really good problems here. So next week, what we're going to ask you to do for all those in attendance, visitors. Everybody from 6th grade up, you can help us fill out this survey. And the reason this is important, you're in a building today because we had a survey. Probably back in 2008, we surveyed the church and said, what would you guys like? So we, we got with the uh, building committee, we got with architects, and this is what we came up with. And this is your building, right? This is something that you guys decided. So next week, you're going to be able to do that. If you can't be here in person, you're going to have a week starting that Sunday to go online and fill out the survey online. Okay? So we just want you guys to have a voice and the future of your church. So be praying about that, be thinking about that, and uh, you're really going to help your pastor and help your deacons out a lot. And I really appreciate our deacons having the uh, foresight uh, and the uh, humility to say we want our church to help us during this time. All right, Psalm 19. We've been looking at the life of David. We don't know when David wrote Psalm 19, but we do know that David was in a good place in his life spiritually when he wrote this psalm. This is one of the greatest psalms ever written. Okay? This is one of the, probably one of the most theologically deep psalms that we have. And we know in David's life, when I've been preaching through David, he had spiritual high moments and spiritual lows, didn't he? But you know what David would say whenever he struggled morally with the Lord? I am guilty, please forgive me. He does that in this psalm. It's amazing how David always goes back to asking the Lord to forgive him of his sins. That's what verses 12 
and 14 are about. Verses 1 through 6, which we're going to look at this morning, talks about how God is speaking. And God speaks through creation every day. And that's the point. Put the point up there, Michael. This is the one point, and then we got three sub-points. God speaks through creation. God spoke this morning. God is speaking right now all over the world saying, I am powerful, I am alive, and I love you. It's amazing how God speaks. Verses 6, verses 7 through verses 11 talk about God's word, which we'll look at next week. So God's speaking through creation. God is speaking through his word. Let's look at these first six verses together. The heavens declare, notice the verbs, the glory of God. Notice the word glory. The awesome might and majesty of who God is. God is speaking that every day. The heavens declare it. They're not quiet about it. So if you don't see it, sense it, or feel it, you got the problem. Because every day since the creation of the world, God has been speaking and showing His glory. And the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto tonight reveals knowledge. Look at the word for knowledge. That means that there is data that is observable, that is scientific, that points to God, and it's not that hard to find. If you don't find it, it's because you don't want to find it. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line goes out throughout the, all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. It's universal. God is speaking to everybody right now. He's not just speaking to America. He's speaking all over today. Notice what verse uh, 4 says. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Talking about the sun again, he says it's rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. What an amazing thing the sun is and what an, how important it is for life here on earth. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we realize that you speak through your word today. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me and speak through these written words because, Lord, your word is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. But Father, you're also speaking through creation, this beautiful planet that you gave us, this universe which has so much order and design. Lord, we are dependent on you for our next breath. That's how you speak through each breath, that breath that we take. Lord, you're speaking that you are God. You have set things up in such a way that we can actually breathe. It's amazing. So Father, I pray that we would not take this creation for granted. I pray that we would not take a single day for granted, Lord. Help us to understand your glory and your majesty. Help us to worship you. And Father, I'm reminded that if you can create this planet with a word, you can handle any problem I have. I think that's why David could later write in Psalm 25, which we looked at a few weeks ago, Trust in the Lord, O my soul, trust in the Lord. Because God, if you're that powerful to, to maintain and sustain the sun, and it not burn up, then Lord, you can handle my situations, my circumstances that I have. All I have to do is trust you. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing. We love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The atheist Carl Sagan, many of you in the 70s, you may have saw his TV show, and what he tried to do was prove that there was no God. Before he died, sadly, he wrote this. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark, in our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Well, Paul had a different perspective. Notice what he said on Mars Hill when he was speaking to the intellects of the day. 
Notice the verse in Acts, Acts 1, Paul, or Acts 17. Paul said this, God made the world and all things in it. Look at that word for world. The word he chose for the word world was brilliant, one scholar says. He used the word cosmos. It was a choice of words by Homer, the ancient hero of Athens, who used the word to describe the order of the Athenian government. It was another favorite word for Plato, another Athenian citizen who used the word cosmos to, to, to refer to the order and the precision in which a woman put on her makeup. The word cosmetics comes from this word. And what Paul is saying is this, there is order in the world and there's someone behind it and his name is God. This psalm is about God's revelation, two parts, creation and the word. And then verse 12 through 14 is our response to this revelation. But the main point is this, is that God created. Isaiah 42, 5 says this. Notice the word for created. This is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out. The Hebrew word that Isaiah used here is bara, which, which means this, bringing into existence something new, something that did not exist before. And what, what Isaiah is saying is what God says in Genesis 1 is that there's nothing and then God creates something. There's absolutely nothing. And then God creates something from nothing. No one else can do that. It's all throughout the Bible. This word bara, the proclamation that God created bara, the entirety of the heavens, is stated seven times in the Old Testament. This principle of transcendent creation is made more explicit by passages like Hebrew 3, which states that the universe that we humans can measure and detect was made out of that which cannot be measured or detected. It's amazing. Isaiah 45, John 1, Colossians 1 stipulate that God alone is the agent for the universe's existence. Biblical claims that God predated the universe and was active, actively involved in cosmos. C.S. Lewis described this as the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics ever written in the world. And David writes it to the chief musician and says, turn this into a song. So we know that God speaks through creation, but there's three parts to that. Number one is this. God speaks through creation, and creation is speaking loudly, very loudly. Notice the verbs that we have in the psalm. Verbs like declare, proclaim, pours out, reveals. The Hebrew verbs declare and to proclaim can be understood as continuous. One scholar says you could translate it this way. The heavens keep on declaring the glory of God, and the skies keep on proclaiming His handiwork. And that word glory just talks about the impressiveness of God in all of His attributes. It's the idea of a very important being. Notice verse 1, the heavens declare that God is glorious, that God is sovereign, that God is transcendent, that God is eternal, that God is just, that God is holy, that God is all those things. You don't need a theology book to understand that God is glorious in all of his attributes. Creation alone points that out. The work of his hands means that God is not whispering, he is speaking loudly, that there is created order in the universe. When I think about how people can deny that, Paul told us in the book of Romans that that would happen in verse 19 or verse 18. Listen to what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now notice, he says, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's like they see the truth, they know it's true, but they suppress it because they are unrighteous. That's what he says. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. He says, they know God for God has shown it to them. Now think about that. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. What's he talking about? Just walk outside. 
Just take a breath. You know that's true. You know God is behind that. He goes on to say this, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, the word glory that David used in Psalm 19.1, same thing, are clearly seen, Paul says. It's in rocket science. It's clear as day. Clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. All creation, birds, any animal, fish, Sea animals, they all give glory to God. The only ones who suppress the truth are human beings. He says, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So this universal call that God has throughout the world through creation holds men and women without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And he says, instead of worshiping God, they worship a tree or a rock or a whatever. Because God holds us to a holy, holy standard. Paul said, it is plain. Sorry about that. And two things that the creation says is that God exists and that God is powerful. Creation screams, I have a design, I have a purpose, and scientists are now admitting that. All the way down to our DNA, it seems that we're designed for a purpose. From galaxies to the universe, to our solar system, to our bodies, down to our DNA, it says we have a God and that He is powerful. Sir Isaac Newton, one of the most revered scientists of his generation, wrote this, and I quote, The most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the council and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things. The world didn't design itself. He governs as Lord over the world, and on account of His dominion, we call Him Lord God. Isn't it amazing how God has set the planets up in such a precise way that even the planets give glory to God, and the planets right now are protecting you. You feel safe? You know why you feel safe? Because of Jupiter. Look at this picture. Look at that, look at that little speck on Jupiter. That's, that's a meteorite that hit Jupiter in 2012. Okay? And Jupiter's right in the right in the direction of Earth because it catches all our debris. Aren't you thankful that that debris doesn't hit us? That that meteorite caused a, a explosion the size of the Pacific Ocean, which meant if that meteorite would have hit us, you'd be dead. So she'd look up and be thank God for Jupiter. Because almost every day, Jupiter's taking hits for us. Isn't that a blessing? Now, is that just random chance, or is God kind of smart and, and knows what he's doing? So this happens all the time on Jupiter, explosion after explosion, rocks, debris, hitting Jupiter that's not hitting you. So when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you can thank God for Jupiter and thank God for God setting the, the planets up in such a way that it takes care of us. All sorts of debris, one scientist said, constantly hits Jupiter and not us. Thank you, Jupiter, he said. No thank you to an all-wise and powerful God. One of the characteristics of the universe stated more frequently than any other in the Bible is that the universe is stretched out. Which means this. If you study the two Hebrew words that God used in the Old Testament, it means that the universe is stretched out, which means that it's had a starting point, but it doesn't have an ending point. Stretched out. Isaiah used that word a lot. You can look it up. The two Hebrew words that were used means that there was a starting point and that there's not an ending point, it just keeps going. Now, when I was in school, 
My textbooks taught us the steady state theory, which meant the universe has always been here and it's eternal. Well, now we know that's not true. And scientists are going to have to come to the grip that there was a starting point, something happened, and then here we are. All scientists agree to that. They don't like it if they're lost, but they agree that that's how this happened. Just like the Bible says, the Hebrew words say in Isaiah and other parts of the Bible that there was a starting point, and then there is not an ending point because it keeps on going. God spoke and boom, the worlds came into existence. Some uh, pastor was studying some scientists and some of their comments on this idea that there was a starting point. And he, he, he put these in his notes. The academic community also exploded with disagreement. That just can't be. So in the 1930s, Sir, Sir Arthur Eddington, a respected British astronomer, wrote this. The notion of a beginning is repugnant to me. Suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. The world-renowned German chemist said this, to deny the infinite duration of time would be to betray the very foundations of science. He says, if there is a beginning point, we're all wrong. Well, they're wrong. Philip Morrison of MIT said, I would like to reject the thought that God created this whole thing with just a word. Albert Einstein even said this at one point in his life, the circumstance of an initial moment of creation irritates me. And you know what? Paul said it would, but it happened. Hebrew words matter. Job 9, 8, Psalm 104.2, Isaiah 40.22, Isaiah 42.5, Isaiah 44.24, Isaiah 45.12, Isaiah 48.13, 51.13, Jeremiah 10 and 51 and Zechariah 12 all say that God started the universe and that the universe is ever expanding, which it is. As a matter of fact, both those Hebrew words are used in Isaiah 40.22, which says, says this, Isaiah speaking says, He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent of living. He stretches out the heavens with a starting point, that word means, stretches out. He started it and then spreads them out. It's continually going and it's just not going to stop. Ever-expanding universe. The Bible had it right all along. Bruce Willis said this, a lot of people are like him. Organized religions in general, in my opinion, are dying forms. They were all very important when he didn't know why the sun moved, why weather changed, and why hurricanes occurred or volcanoes happened. Modern religion is the end trail of modern mythology. But there are people who interpret the Bible literally. Literally, I choose not to believe that's the way. Don't get your theology from movie stars, athletes, musicians. Don't get your theology from them. Bruce obviously hadn't read the Bible or any kind of scientific journals or anything like that. It's like Bruce would stand before Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper and say, isn't it amazing that some paint fell off the, off the rack and made this beautiful painting? Or somebody would go to Mount Rushmore and see that magnificent piece of work that took years and years and years to do. I think the faces are about six stories high, I can't remember. But, and look at that and say, isn't it amazing what millions of years of rain did? I mean, how ignorant do you have to be? But people look at the universe and say, man, we just got lucky. We're so lucky to be here. It's just, it was just an accident. But what God says is this, is that creation speaks loudly, that there's a creator and you have a design. R.C. Sproul said this, for the materialistic chance people who say everything started by chance, he said the magic wand to make not only rabbits but entire universes appear out of nothing has to be happening. He says, I don't believe in magic. I believe in a creator. Not only does creation speak loudly, but creation speaks 
continuously. Notice verse 2. Day after day, 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 day after day. Night after night, night after night, night after night. Look at the word knowledge. Observable data, it's easy to find. It just points to a creator. Scientifically speaking, it points to a creator. The word David uses for pouring out speech is the word for a bubbling spring geyser. It just keeps bubbling up every day. It, the word was used by Solomon in Proverbs 18.4 where it says the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. In other words, day to day, literally day after day, the brilliant wisdom of God just keeps bubbling up all over creation. It's not a one-time announcement. Every moment of every day, God is proclaiming to humans, I exist and I am powerful and I love you. To all people. One scholar put it this way, David is telling us that God uses means to communicate with the people who live on the planet. God speaks through his creation. It has been made with such skill and beauty that it has one utterly clear and consistent message. It is the divine media by which the word gets through to the human race. It's a declaration of himself via nature. It's a natural revelation. It's available to everyone, to the banker in the city of London or a tribe in the remotest spot on earth which has hardly any conduct contact with anyone else they too are receiving this revelation because it's a general revelation through creation to every single person on this planet it is saying God is glorious and God's hands made this world and it is saying this consistently constantly and clearly just think of that that no one is ignorant of God simply by opening your eyes and ears and seeing the creation you are looking at divinely created and sustained media which are bringing their message that God is real and that he is powerful and glorious sun moon stars all have order god speaks in the skies think about this some people say this was some spontaneous accident that we're here they still say that we're so lucky we're 93 million miles from the sun if we're a little bit closer or farther away we die the earth rotates 365 times around the sun why not 30 times because the days and nights would be 10 times longer and carbon in the atmosphere would kill us the earth is rightly tilted on its axis to give us four seasons. Think about the atmosphere. It's the perfect balance of oxygen and nitrogen, 79% oxygen, 20% nitrogen, and 1% variant gases. If it was 50-50, you're dead. The first guy to light a match would blow up the whole thing. So when you breathe, are you lucky? Are you lucky? Your head didn't explode, did it? Isn't that a good thing? Well, it's because the oxygen 79% and the nitrogen 20% and then variant gas is 1%. If it's off a little bit, you're dead. So just breathe one time and just thank the Lord. Also, think about this, the water-to-land ratio. It's marvelously balanced. 71% of the Earth's surface is ocean. If the oceans were one-half that, we would have one-fourth one of the rainfall and we'd all die of starvation. If the oceans were one-eighth larger than they are, we'd have four times the amount of rainfall that we have now and we'd be living underwater. If the moon were significantly larger, thereby increasing its gravitational pull, devastating tidal waves would submerge large areas of land. If the moon were smaller, tidal motion would cease and the oceans would stagnate and die. What an accident we have. Mark, don't you feel lucky? Don't you just feel lucky? I feel like I'm... I told one guy, he was an atheist, and we were just talking, and I said, you're the luckiest person I've ever met. You're, you're so lucky. And he said, yeah, I get what you're saying. I said, imagine this. We're so lucky. Or I could use my brain and say there is a design. And if there's a design, there must be a designer. Some people would say everything came from a single bacteria. And Fred Hoyle said this. The chance that higher life forms might have emerged in this way from a single bacterium 
is comparable to the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein, and he's not even a believer. It didn't just happen. The heavens declare the glory of God. God is speaking. It's continual. It's universal. It's knowable. There is no excuse. Everywhere on earth, sun, moon, and stars, night and day, Paul says what you see around you is enough to make you believe in God. Science, the definition for science is this, systematic knowledge of the physical or material world gained through observation and experimentation. So let's have a little science experiment. Astrophysicists have found that there are over 60 criteria that are necessary for life to exist here on earth. Life could not exist or form if any one of the following were true. Earth's rotation was faster or slower by just a little bit. You're all dead. We're 2% closer to the sun. You're dead. Earth had a 1% change in sunlight. You're dead. Earth was smaller or bigger. You're dead. The moon was smaller or bigger. You're dead. We had more than one moon. You're dead. Earth's crust was thicker or thinner. You're dead. Oxygen-nitrogen ratio was greater or less. Ozone layer was greater or less. You're dead. What are the odds of life just forming out of nothing? Look at the odds. Vegas will tell you that. Less than a chance of 1 in 10 to the 282nd power. That's a million, trillion, 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 and you can read it. It's not happening. Creation says that there is a God. Just think about the sun. Notice verse 4. He says this, In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. He said, every day that the sun shines, it's like, it's like a honeymoon for the sun. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. David says, the sun loves to be the servant of the Lord. One scientist said this, here David focuses his attention upon the sun, which he seems to view as one of the greatest of all of God's creations, non-human creations. He pictures the darkness of night as a tabernacle into which the sun retreats every evening, only to return as a bridegroom coming out of a wedding chamber or as a strong man anxious to run a race. The sun alone contains 99.8% of the total mass of the solar system. About one million Earths could fit inside the sun. The energy created by the sun's core is nuclear fission. Temperatures inside the sun can reach to be 15 million degrees Celsius. The sun is almost a perfect sphere. It's the closest thing to a perfect sphere observed in nature. The sun keeps us warm, makes us hot, gets us tan, 93 million miles away, continually burning but not burning up. And what you experience when you experience heat is the radiation that the sun gives off. The radiation that the sun gives off is, is produced by the loss of part of its total mass. Now listen to this. The sun loses 4,200,000 tons of its mass every second. Only gains 200th of it back. Which means it had a beginning and will have an end. And they tell us that the age of the earth, Adam and Eve, came at just the right time for the age of the sun. Because the sun, the light bulb is running down, and one day God's going to change it, and he does in Revelation 21. The Bible says this, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And what John says in Revelation is this, God's glory is brighter and stronger than the sun, which is God's servant every day, and, and proclaims his glory. And the final thing is this, that God, creation speaks universally to the whole world. Notice the verse. This line goes out to the whole world. I don't know if you've ever been into another country and had to use a translator, but I think Mark would agree it's not the easiest thing to do when you're preaching and you have a translator. When we were in the Philippines, even when we went out to the barangays, we would share our faith, and then you had a translator. Share your faith, you have a translator. Share your faith for a little bit, stop, you have a translator. When I preached in the church over there in the Philippines, you have a translator. It's very difficult for me to stop and stop and stop and stop. 
I remember when we were at the school out there with the, the Filipino children, I would say something, my translator would say it really good, and they would go, <gasps> and I said, that guy is preaching good. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I, if they're getting what I'm saying, but they're getting what he's saying, but it's very hard. When I went to Haiti, it's, it's impossible. You could, I couldn't speak to anybody. Everywhere I went, I had to have a translator. You don't speak, and the Haitian language is really hard in Port-au-Prince, very hard. But you know what they do know? They know what you know about the creation. God is speaking to them right now just like he's speaking to me. God is speaking to them. His, this language is universal. It is universal. One, one scientist said this, a Christian scientist, there is actually is a language of creation. And David is saying here that no matter where you go on the planet Earth, no matter what language people are speaking, there is this universal voice of creation. One British author wrote 80 years ago, he said, the celestial missionaries have borne their message to everyone, sun, moon, and stars, are God's traveling preachers, they are apostles upon their journey, confirming those who regard the Lord, condemning those who deny Him, and they say this, that God is real, that God is all-powerful, and that God loves humanity. Creation reveals the grace of God. Creation is speaking, and God is saying this to you today, I am real, I am powerful, and I can be known. Do you know the Lord? I'm going to ask Beverly if you'll come and just play something real softly. And as she comes, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Over and over again, Jesus would say this. People love darkness rather than the light. Why do people reject a God that is so wonderful and glorious? The Bible says they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. People love the darkness rather than light. And I would tell you here today that if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, place your faith and trust in Christ today. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? If not, you can do that now. Tell the Lord you're a sinner. You believe that Christ's death paid the penalty for your sins and that he rose from the dead and be gloriously saved. And then I would tell all the Christians here today, if God can create all this and sustain it, He loves you more than He does the sun. He loves you more than He does the moon or the stars. If God can create all this and can sustain it, you can trust Him with your marriage. Over and over again, David said, trust in the Lord. You can trust the Lord with your worries, which we all have. You can trust Him. He's all-powerful and He's glorious. You can trust the Lord with your health. So many things in our life, health-wise, are out of our control. Trust the Lord today. Trust the Lord with your today. Trust the Lord with your tomorrow. And ask God to forgive your past. The Creator of the universe sent His Son to die for your sin. Trust Him today. As, we, as I pray, I'm going to ask those that are going to join the church if they'll just meet me down here at the front. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for this creation, this beautiful planet that you have given us. But, Lord, I'm reminded that you're going to create it and make a better one. Lord, we're so blessed to know you, that, Lord, the God of the universe, the all-powerful creating God who sustains everything in life, Lord, you live in us, you love us, and Lord, you can help us. You're the God of all comfort. Lord, you're the great physician. You're the greatest counselor. 
that we know of. And Father, you can meet our needs. And Father, I pray that you would do I pray that we would trust in you. Lord, lay our burdens down, our worries down. Lord, lay our circumstances at your feet and trust you and live in faith. Take every day by faith and never take a day for granted. Today is a day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I'm so thankful that you're speaking to us and you're speaking to all loudly, clearly, and universally. And every time that we wake up and see the sun, we know that, Lord, you're in control and that your sovereign power, wisdom, and will is greater than ours. And, Lord, I pray that we would submit to it and to you. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, thank you. Before we dismiss, I'm going to introduce some folks to you. They're going to join the church. And uh, then Justin has a quick announcement about VBS. And I just want to thank you all so much for all your work, uh, all your service at VBS. It's a blessing. I wish we could do it two or three times a year, but we can't. So, But uh, it, it was wonderful. So here we have Lauren Henley. And she started coming. I think you guys started coming at the uh, first parking lot service or the second one. Been coming for a long time. So Easter service. So she comes to join the church. She's born again, been baptized. Do we have a motion to accept her as a member? Do we have a second? All in favor, raise your hand say, welcome to East Tazel. And we give a brick, and I tell everybody in the new members class that this means that we're all the same here. It takes all of us working together to build the kingdom of God. I'm no better than anybody else, so this is your brick, Lauren. And now we have Josh Crouch. I had the privilege of baptizing Josh uh, last year. And Josh, you still work at Taylor King? He does my old job, so uh, they've gotten better at Taylor King. But I really appreciate Josh, and Josh has uh, placed his faith and trust in Jesus, and he's been baptized, so... Mark, we're going to ask you here to give him a brick. So there's your brick. Do we have a motion to accept Josh as a member? Do we have a second? All in favor say welcome to East Taylor. Now we have the Steele family. Uh, Katie's, Katie, Derek's been a member here for a long time. Laney and Jackson have been coming. And uh, Katie comes this morning to join the church. She's been saved and baptized. And do we have a motion to accept Katie as a member of East Taylor Baptist Church? Do we have a second? All in favor, say welcome to East Taylor. All righty. Thank y'all so much. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. No, no, she's not joining. Yeah, and so if you guys, if you guys can just, if y'all go over there, I'm going to ask Justin to come up. And, uh, and if y'all want to come by, we know because of COVID, you may not want to come by and shake their hands. That's why we're not having to stand up here. But if you'd like to do that and you feel comfortable, and they do, you can come go by and welcome them to East Taylor Baptist Church. So thank you. Uh, um, keep this brief. But uh, VBS, it was such a, such a good week, and uh, we, we served, I have no notes, by the way, uh, but we, we had over 220-plus uh, kids that came through this week. Um, I think one night I saw we had 305 or 10 meals that were served, so you multiply that by five, that was 1,500 meals served this week, and uh, we got to share the gospel on uh, Wednesday night, I did the, the elementary age, and Kevin did the, the middle school age, and so we got to share the gospel um, with all of those, and uh, I just want to say thank you um, just to all of our volunteers. You might see some folks today in, wearing their t-shirts, and uh, VBS, such a great week. Uh, it's, it's a hectic week. It's a busy week, and so I just want to say thank you to all the volunteers that, that helped do this because it's, it's a massive undertaking, and uh, it's, there's no way that you could possibly do it. Um, on your own, and so I just want you guys to know that, that VBS is only a success because 
uh, of you, uh, the volunteers. And I want to say thank you uh, to uh, uh, my wife. She's in the back. She's already back at the back. So if while you leave today, uh, you can grab one of these shirts and all the donations go um, to Finding Hope. I also want to say thank you to, to Martha and Polly and Anne, who I don't know if they're even here today or not, but we, we celebrated them our last night of EBS. They are passing the torch uh, from their, their work as uh, the meal leaders. And uh, so thank you for your service. If you're watching online, I don't know if you're even here in the room or watching online, but uh, we made them big thank you cards and we're able to give those to them. And also Elaine Norton, who's not here, she's uh, passing the torch to uh, her daughter, but she says, I'm not retiring. I'm just going to take on a different role and do something else. So we didn't give her a card, but she is passing the torch. And um, also I want to thank Kevin because Kevin did a lot this week behind the scenes for, for me. Uh, I know one of the, when I came here to, to serve on staff, one of the questions was, was, you know, how do you feel about working with the person who was here before you in the same position? And it didn't bother me at all. And he's a big help. And we had some DVD troubles and he came to me and said, hey, uh, you know, do you want to put out the preschool sign at the gym? I totally forgotten about that. So his leadership and passing it down to me. I just want to say thank you, Kevin, for all your help with me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you can grab one of these shirts as you leave. Uh, for, and remember, all the donations go to Finding Hope. And we had a big week for fundraising. We raised $5,200 uh, for Finding Hope. So that was a, a record for VBS. And uh, so that money will go uh, to Finding Hope, and they can help uh, rebuild uh house number one that, that caught on fire so uh, that'll be a big big help to them and uh, lastly uh, as if this week wasn't busy enough this week we're going to go camp so Tuesday if you're going with us to camp be here at the church at 10 a.m. and uh, we'll start packing up and we'll hopefully hit the road by 10 30 10 45 uh, but again thank you so much for a great week of EBS uh, we look forward to next year already and uh, we got a short video here to show you here at the end of the service kind of a recap of the week and uh, you are free to leave during the video, or you can wait till the video is over. But um, if you didn't serve this year, let me tell you this. It's a blessing to be able to serve a VBS. Uh, it, VBS is for everyone. Even if you think it's not for you, it is. It's for you, too. Uh, and so we're here to we'll plug you in next year wherever we can. But, uh, again, I encourage you to stay and watch the video because it's, 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 uh, it took a lot of people. And um, you guys need to know. Uh, how your church is serving. And so, again, if you need to leave, go ahead and leave. And if not, just go ahead and take time to watch the video.
We try. 